Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. My name is Jake Long. My wife Jackie and I, we've been coming to Christ the Word for the past seven years, and we've really enjoyed this time and during the summer where we get to have a little more of a casual time with our family. And, and this was our first year going on the church camping trip as well. We're not campers, but we were very, very blessed to be there. I mean, we love the people. And I think for all those who didn't go because you too aren't campers, I would encourage you to consider going, pray about going. I think uh, my wife and I loved getting to spend time and getting to connect with, with people that we don't normally get to meet with. And it was a blessing to us and to our family despite the rain. And so we're thankful for you, and we're thankful to be here tonight. And so tonight we're going to continue in our series about looking at ordinary faith with, through ordinary men and women. And we know that faith is not ordinary, that it is supernaturally breathed in us by God. You know, often when we think about faith, our mind generally goes to the stories of Goliath and David, and David cutting his head off and standing victoriously upon him, a man of mighty faith, a man that we all want to emulate. Or we think about Paul, who, who traveled throughout the Mediterranean, preaching the gospel, being persecuted for the faith, and yet somehow still being encouraged and watching the church grow. And even the stories of our own day of men and women who demonstrate tremendous faith. And so these stories, they have the appearance of supernatural or an extra helping of faith. But these men who, under the ordinary means of faith, feared God through the same substance of his power that you and I share today. And so we too can accomplish things that we can't even imagine through the power of faith. And so tonight, we are going to be looking at this ordinary faith under the lens of fearing the Lord. And so we'll be reading from Exodus 1, verses 8 to 22. If you would, please stand, and we'll read from the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, or else they will multiply, and in the event of war, they will also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labor, and they built for Pharaoh's storage cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out. So they were in dread of the sons of Israel. The Egyptians compelled the sons of Israel to labor rigorously, and they made their lives bitter and hard labor in mortar and bricks and all kinds of labor in the field. All their labors which they rigorously imposed on them. Then... The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. And he said, 
When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then you shall live. She shall live. The midwives feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them. But the boys, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing? And let the boys live. The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this evening. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is with us, that you are present with us, that your power is the same yesterday and today, and it will be tomorrow. And so, Lord, help us to seek you and to fear you above all things, Lord. And that, let that fear cause us not to run away from you, but to run towards you and to live powerfully before the eyes of this world. Jesus, help us to love you more than we love this world. We ask this in the name of, in your name, amen. So, from the beginning of our passage, we learn that the world opposes the people of God. It said a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and he begins to plot, and he begins to plot and to how he will, he will take care of them, how he will stop their might, how he will stop their, their growth, because he sees that they are mighty, that they are powerful, that they are a people that, that could cause problem. And so from, from this passage, we, it's clear that those who are of the world will always oppose the people of God. And I think something that comes to my mind is, at least for me, I, I can tend to think that uh, that the past was better than the present. You know, I look back to the past and I, I kind of live in the romanticism of the past, that it was, it was better, people were nicer, you know, people wore clothes that, that, <laughs> that covered their body. It was just a better time in so many ways, right? And of course, this, this isn't true, but this is often the way that I think, and I think if uh, we're honest, that's probably how most of us think. We think that the time in the past was better than our present day, that somehow it was more godly than our present day. Now, clearly from our passage, this, this isn't true, that the world even then and the world has been opposed to the people of God and His purposes. And so the world is not for God, and in fact, it hates God. Pharaoh is not for the people of God. He has no knowledge of Joseph and what Joseph did for Egypt and what God did through Joseph, Scripture says. And so he struck, struck with fear. Uh, Pharaoh determines to, to hinder, to stop, to quench the people of God from becoming mighty and eventually uh, running, you know, turning away and, and leaving Egypt behind. And so we need to keep this in mind, that there will never be Christians that can be friends with the world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And in another way, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Even if we were to stretch this back and look to Genesis, right? When God is, is, is speaking to Eve after the fall, he, he tells Eve that, that her seed will be persecuted or there will be enmity. In, 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 Did I say that right? I feel like I'm in Nemo right now. Enmity. Someone said it over here. Enmity between her seed and, and the seed of the serpent. And of course, if you track alongside Genesis, if you read throughout Genesis, uh, I know many of the men did, we, you can trace that enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And in fact, this is how Exodus opens up. The Pharaoh now is the seed of the serpent who is opposing the seed of God. And so we can see clearly from Scripture that the world hates God and will always oppress or seek to oppress those who love the Lord. And I think many of us believe that we can live in both the world of God and the world of the world. Now, of course, God is king over the world of the world, the world, the kingdom of the world. But I think we want so badly to straddle this, this life that we see in the world and still have God too. That we can somehow have one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. We want to have all the nice things the world has to offer. We want the money and technology. We want to have a reputation as being cool in school and at work. We want people to look at us with dignity rather than be on the receiving end of Pharaoh's whip. And so we do what we, want, what we can to live in both worlds. We try to live in two different kingdoms. And so how do we do this? First, we try to push the boundaries of the Word of God. And so as long as there isn't a passage that is pure enough to refute the actions of our lives, we tend to push that boundary as far as we can, don't we? You know, as long as there's not a verse and an address in the Scripture that says, don't do this, we tend to push the boundaries of how far we can live in the world and still feel like we're living in the kingdom of God. You know, and so this could look like you know, I, I watch Netflix. And so what am I watching on Netflix? Well, it's not pornography, but it's a very popular show right now. And you know, as long as I like fast forward those, those scenes that I know as a Christian, I shouldn't be watching, then it should be okay, right? And so we push that boundary. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not pornography. I know that's bad, but this is just, this is a show on Netflix. Come on. It's Little kids watch this stuff, right? And so we try to push that boundary. We tolerate dating. We tolerate dating in a way that, that's like, well, as long as we don't have sex before marriage, it's good. You know, we'll fight and we'll fight at every checkpoint. But as long as we don't have sex, man, we made it, right? And so the world does that. They have sex on the first night. But as Christians, we want to we just wait as long as we can. And hope that we make it. We push the boundary because we want people to look at us with dignity. We are okay with sin in our children. And so we tell them, hey, 
before we walk into that building, you better smile and not embarrass me, right? And so we live this life trying to keep this appearance as if I'm, I'm, I'm all in with Christ, but in reality, I'm, I'm straddling the world and I'm straddling Christ. And one foot in the kingdom and one foot out of the kingdom. And the rain continues, it seems. And so I could go on pointing out these different ways we push that boundary. But I want to ask you, what do you push the boundaries on in your own life? Where does that area that you seek to get as close to the edge without believing it is sin? And of course, we all know that there is no edge. As long as we're trying to pursue it, <laughs> we are in sin. The other way we try to live in both worlds is by not saying what we need to say. In a world of social media and stupid things that are all over the internet, Christians, including us, seem to sit quietly on the sidelines instead of standing for what God says. Even if it's not on social media, we tend to shy away at family members who may be gay or in other sin. Our culture is full of sayings that describe how we straddle the line, such as, just sweep it under the carpet. Or, man, there's an elephant in that room, right? We just don't touch it, and we just pretend that it doesn't exist. You know, and so we think we're doing the Christian duty or that we're loving those in our family because we never talk about it. We come to church, and we come to settings like this, and we talk to each other about the truth of Scripture. And then we leave here and say nothing to our coworkers, friends, and family about God's truth, we are afraid they will be separated from them, that, we're, that will be proven wrong, that we'll be fired from work, or that our family will leave us. And so why do we do this? Why do we, why do we try to live in both worlds? Because we fear Pharaoh. We fear the world. We are scared of the world's whip, of what discomfort, humiliation, death it may bring. We are scared that we will lose our job or we will have to turn down a, a top promotion if we stand with God. We are scared that if I stand up to my teacher and write a paper that stands on God's word, she may fail me. We are scared that if we talk about the sin in our family's life, then they will, leave, they will leave us. And they'll walk away. The whip that Pharaoh holds seems to cut deep. And it seems it is better to stand with one foot in the world and in Christ. But the truth is, this is not standing with Christ at all. As Christians, we cannot straddle the line of the world and God. For we will love one and hate the other. There is no one who can hold on to both worlds. We cannot. Our heart cannot have it both ways, nor will God. God is either our Lord, and we are to follow him, or he is not. There is no middle ground. Someone might object and say that they would never give up Christ for the world, that their life is fine just straddling this the, the seam of both worlds. But let me tell you this, God's mercy to you 
is the reason you haven't lost control of your life. If it wasn't for God's mercy in your life, you would go to greater lengths than Pharaoh to oppose God if you were left to your own device. And this is true for all of us. I remember sitting across from a guy when I first came to know the Lord in college. We were meeting for coffee, but we were about to go share the gospel or evangelize in the student union. And there was something pressed upon his heart. You could tell there was something bothering him. So I asked, hey, what's, what's up? What's going on? And he confessed sin. And as a new Christian, I really didn't know how to handle that. If I'm honest, I, I kind of felt awkward. I was like, whoa, uh, what do I do with this? So naturally, uh, my tendency is, you know, I'm just going to come alongside, encourage him, and try to make him feel better. And so I said, oh, man, dude, you're not that bad. Like, you're great. I love you. We love you. Like, I've seen you do great things for the Lord. And I'll never forget what happened. You know, I, I remember he, he looked up and he said this. He said, Jake, if you knew what was in my heart, there is nothing I am not capable of doing, whether it be rape or murder or walking away from Christ. And as a young man, a new believer, my jaw dropped. We never want to presume we are as wicked as the Bible tells us. God's word is unashamed of how wicked we are, but we are ashamed of how honest it is. The heart of man is more wicked than we ever dare believe. And the opposition of Pharaoh is not just the world outside of us, but it is the wickedness of our own heart that opposes God. We want to, go to, we want to be God rather than to submit to the one true God. And as long as we seek to love the world and separate ourselves from the hatred of the world, then we will not be living under the roof of God. We cannot love the world and love God. To love one is to hate the other. Finally, I'll end on this point here. And the world is against those who are on the Lord's side. But the Lord fights for his own people and his glory for him and to them. And so we'll, look, we'll transition from, from looking at the world's opposition and even our own opposition to God and looking at those who fear God and the power that is in those who fear God. And so verse 15, mighty Pharaoh's plan didn't work to stop the increase of the Israelites. And so he turns into the darkness and plots in private. He brings in two midwives, Sifra and Pua, who have been commissioned to deliver, the, deliver babies and to give life. But he is asking them to revoke the commission and to kill the baby boys. The power of this world is weak and it is infeminate or soft. It doesn't like to get its hands dirty, but instead seeks to have others do the dirty work. Reading this summer, uh, I'm reading a bio on Mao Zedong, who was the chairman of China, and, and he and Pharaoh are very similar. They, they didn't want to get their hands dirty. They wanted all the pleasure and all the things of this world, but they never wanted to do it themselves. They wanted others to do it. 
And so Pharaoh, standing with these midwives, expects them to do what is counterintuitive to their career and job and to murder the Israelite baby boys. The world is never ashamed of the horror it is willing to do to oppose God. Now, could you imagine what was going through the minds of the midwives after that conversation? After all, they have just seen the horror he was willing to do to the Israelites, and now he is expecting them, these midwives, to kill these babies. And their response in this passage is what makes them glorious, right? These ordinary women understood the risk and the reality that was before them. They could either bow their knee to Pharaoh and to the world or choose to bow to God. They had every excuse we often live under at their disposal. This king is wicked and he will kill us if we don't do what he asks. And yet they understood that to fear God is greater than to fear the fear of Pharaoh. And so two things I want to draw to our attention is one, our actions bear witness to God. And secondly, our life is to be a testimony that bears much fruit. First, our actions bear witness to God. These women were not mighty men of David, or they weren't given an extra helping of faith, but simply feared the Lord over Pharaoh. Their world was just like ours in every way, just as corrupt and wicked, but instead of turning inward and fearing the world, they chose instead to turn toward the Lord and to stand upon him as their rock and their salvation. All of us who call upon the name of the Lord will find him. He reminds us time after time in the scripture, do not fear for I am with you, he says to Joshua. We studied the Psalms this year as a church, and how many times was that repeated over and over and over again that the Lord stands with his righteous ones, his people? Psalm 31 says this, for God's own namesake, he leads us and guides us. This is the promise of the Lord that he will never forsake his people. Paul says in Romans that if he was unwilling to spare his only son, then who would stand against us, against you? These women understood that to fear God was to fear nothing else, to have no other authority stand against them. And this is the same promise for us today. Again, these women chose to fear God rather than to bow the knee to Pharaoh. Now, someone may object and say, well, Looking, which verse is it? Uh, looking at verse 19, they enter again into a conversation with Pharaoh and they lie. And this is true. They do. No matter how you want to spin it, there is a lie present here. And of course, we could then jump to the conclusion like we normally do and say, well, they must not fear the Lord. But these women feared the Lord, is what Scripture says. And even if, for they were not dummies who did not understand the birth rate, time, time rate, right? I think that's something that we could look into this, this lie and say, well, maybe there's some truth to this. Maybe there's a little bit of truth to the lie. 
Um, but these women, weren't, they weren't stupid. They understood. They, they've been doing uh, midwiving for a while. And even if God gave these women the miracle of a quick, instant birth, um, then, then maybe that's true. But the scripture also tells us that before this lie, they actually feared the Lord. That's what drove them to this decision. And so I, I want to point us to this and say this. So, so too is every deed that you and I do for the Lord tainted with sin. These women stood before Pharaoh and they lied. They stood before Pharaoh and feared God over him. There is nothing that we do in our life, even when we fear the Lord, that is perfect and pure, that isn't tainted with some sin, right? There is no sacrifice that we have to give to the Lord that is not covered with sin. But this should not keep us from striving to fear the Lord over man. Instead, we should look to these women and do what they did. They didn't murder their babies and chose to disobey Pharaoh and stand firm in the Lord. And so should we. We should fight our sin and keep fighting even when we fall short of our perfection that we believe the men of old displayed. All the greatest men and women that God used throughout history were like you and me. Sinners that in the power of the Holy Spirit were able to do far more than anyone could ever imagine. God's power is greater than that of our, your filth and sin-tainted attempts to stand firmly upon him and his rock. Therefore, have courage and fear God. Go and say what you need to say to your loved ones about their sin. You will never know what to say perfectly, but trust that God will do more with your attempt than you could ever imagine. Fight your sin and do not keep sinning. Do not let the battle of pornography, men, keep you down, but get back up and keep trusting the Lord that he will honor those who fear him and fight your flesh. Do not let the world tell you, ladies, how you should dress, act, and behave on social media, but turn to God's word and trust he will make you great. This is the glory of these women. Their weakness doesn't stain what God has made beautiful. Secondly, our life is to be a testimony that bears much fruit. Our God who loves fruit. For those who fear the Lord, he will give them fruit. Clearly in our passage, the wonderful reality is that these women were given families of their own. The power of the world will oppose those who stand with God, but God's power is greater. He is an expert farmer who understands all kinds of soils. No matter how hard, sandy, clay-like, saturated with water, unfertilized, he is able to make fruit born from even the hardest ground. The same God who stood before Pharaoh and crushed the schemes of man is the same God who dwells in you today. Therefore, for those who fear the Lord, a life that bears much fruit is not only possible, but the effect of living under the fear of God. He is a God who bears much fruit and blesses his people. There will be times when it may seem to be missing or that his hand has departed from us. But if we are walking in the fear of the Lord, then we know he will bring about this fruit in our life. Therefore, we must continue 
to persevere no matter the circumstances that we are going through. We must not return to the fear that we once came from, from the life that we once lived. Instead, we must cling all the more to the God who has the power to overcome sin and death and who holds the reins of kings and nations and laughs at their plans. We must seek with all our might to fear God who sent his one and only son to die for weak sinners so that Christ would be ransomed, that we may be ransomed and that he may be glory. And so I tell you tonight, run to run back into the pits, to run back into the submission of fear of the world would only bring disaster and grief and death. For it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Therefore, stand firm in your faith and fight to believe that he who raised Christ from the grave is working the same power in you to bring about new life. Fight your sin. Fight your flesh that craves the world and, and run to God. Run to him. Run to the God who will give you this new life and bear fruit in your life. Remember, he is a farmer who is able to make much happen even in the hardest grounds, even in the, the heart of stone. In other words, his power is efficacious and will do what he has sent it out to do. So trust in this God who has the power to bear fruit even in the hardest of hearts. Finally, and I leave you with this thought, those who fear the Lord will silence the power of the world. The fear of the Lord is not weakness, but it is power made ordinary men and women great and glorious to us. Shifra and Pua were ordinary women, but their fear of the Lord gave them power to leave the Pharaoh silence. The world that we live in is not different than the world we have seen in this passage, for the world will always seek to persecute God's people. And yet the mightiest king of the known world at the time is silenced by two ordinary women. The power displayed in these women is for us today, for you, for those who are willing to stand with the Lord. We do not have, we do not have to have it all figured out to change the world around us, to change Toledo, to change our families, but we must fear the Lord. He has the power to do far more than we could ever imagine. Pastor David said something along these lines today because of the power of God. That the early church was ordinary men and women that were made glorious because of the power of God. They brought the most excellent world. They, they brought the most excellent world power, right? Rome. They brought the most excellent world power that, this, that our world has really ever seen to its knees without ever lifting a sword. They didn't go to war. And yet, they brought it to its knees. And so, are you willing to be peculiar in our world today? Are you willing to fear the Lord and live your life differently according to the word? I challenge you today, fear the Lord and fight for what is holy and pure. Therefore, what you have been living in fear of, act on it. Put it down. Stand up and fight it. And don't let it have control of your life any longer. Fear God and not the sin, not the world. Who do you need to speak to tonight? 
that you've withheld your tongue, but know they're in sin? What do you need to destroy in your life tonight in order to fear God? And what do you think would happen if we all chose to fear God tonight instead of the world? What do you think God would do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are the mighty king and that we do not need to fear. For you, Lord, hold the reins of the nations. Lord, that they plot and plan, but you laugh and sit comfortably in the heavens. Lord, you are with us even when we feel the persecution of this world and we think, Lord, that you have abandoned it. God, you have not, but you are with us. Encourage us, empower us to fear you. And Father, change our hearts that we may fear you above all things and give you the glory, Jesus. Amen.